as I've, we're going to finish up tonight, or we might go on, I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> but you guys keep coming back. I told you at the very beginning that we were going to be talking about Christians and demons, and you keep coming, so I'm assuming that you're, you're okay with it. Um, I, I'm not going to go back and review everything for the last two weeks, but I want you to do this for me. If, 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 you, if, you, haven't, if you weren't here, um, it's on our, our website. It's on uh, www.igniterevival.org. And the messages are on there, part one and part two. And I want you to, and some of you I, I was able to get CDs for, and if, if you guys want those, I can probably try to get those too. But um, I want you to recognize and I want us to, re, re, to understand this, that the devil is a legal expert. He knows the way in and he knows how to stay in if he can. And normally, the way he stays in is by our reaction and how we allow him that place to hang on to. Go ahead and start that first one, hon. The scripture that we started off with was Ephesians 4.26. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. This is Christians he's talking to. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And he's telling them there. He's saying, don't give a place to the enemy. So that's where, that's where this, whole, this whole place starts with what's where we're talking about Christians and demons. Because the, I believe the Bible is telling us that as Christians, we can give a place to the enemy if we're not careful. Now I'm not talking about demon possession. What I'm talking about is, in fact, that word is never even used in the New Testament. But what I'm talking about is being demonized or being inflicted by an evil spirit or being just uh, tormented. And recognizing this. The next part is that they come in by invitation. They come in by abiding sin. They come in by someone in authority over you. They come in by bloodline. They come in through cult involvement. They come in through idle words. They come in through weakness. They come in through our strengths. They come in through trauma or abuse or great emotional uh, strain. And they also come in through intoxication by drugs or alcohol. These are ways that the enemy, the demons can come in as, as outlined by Scripture and as outlined by, by just by what we can see in life at times. Tonight, I'm going to finish this up. Go ahead and go to the next one, hon. Recognizing an evil spirit or if you've been given over to or given a place to the enemy. Recognizing... Go back, hon. <laughs> She's getting a little quick on me. <laughs> You're recognizing an evil spirit or if you have given a place to the enemy. And the, and, and the points I'm going to give you tonight is things that maybe you're going to see these things in your life. And I know that as I was going through them, I saw some of these things in my life. Number one is a lack of true peace. If you're a Christian and you're not walking in peace, you're doing all the right things, yet peace escapes you. You've... you've Maybe you're, you're, you've, you've talked like a parrot at times because you want to have that peace, but inside you do not have the peace in your heart. Then possibly, maybe the enemy has got to have found a place in your life. Number two is addictions. An evil spirit doesn't cause addictions, but he'll reinforce it. Demons don't create them. They just work on what's already there. If you're a smoker, they're going to help you with smoking. If you're an alcoholic, they're going to help you with drinking. If you're a drug addict, they're going to keep feeding you drugs. 
They'll have people actually come by your house, knock on your door and say, hey, are you ready to buy some this week? We make choices and then bondage is set in. And demons help re reinforce that. Number three, tormenting thoughts. Accusations against your own self. Doubt that you can never get victory over. Not just once in a while thing. We all have that. I'm talking about a continuous where you're tormented constantly, where you just can't walk, you never get peace. You just, you're, you're constantly being tormented by thoughts of, of, of accusations against yourself or even against God. Number four, sickness. Ongoing sickness. And I'm going to throw in there accident prone. Sickness, ongoing, reoccurring sickness. If you continually walk in sickness and you can't get out of it, then you have, I, I will imagine there's some place in your life you've allowed the enemy a place in your life and he's got a foothold in your life. Number five, hereditary or generational things. Character traits that you don't want. You said to yourself, I will never be like my mom or dad. And you're the same or even worse. Demons don't die, they stay in the same family. The same demons that were around at the time of Christ are around today. They're cast out at times, but they still linger around if they can. They look for a place, the Bible says, they go through arid places looking for a place. And you know what, as Christians what we do is we give them a place when we waller in our sin. When we habitually sin, when we walk in sin, when we practice sin, we open the door for the enemy to come in and find a place. Number six, abiding thoughts of fear. I don't have the notes with me tonight, but I, I went through just, just the A's when you go through phobias. Just the A's. There's probably like 50 of them. I mean, there's fears of everything. I mean, there was silly things. Just fear of, 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 of your shoelaces. I mean, there's fears of all kinds. Of, and this was just the A's. I didn't even get to the Z's, I can't imagine. But that tells me something, that the enemy has abounded. He has been out there, he has created all kinds of havoc in our lives, and he's created all these phobias. Not just that you have a, a single phobia doesn't mean that you have a demon. But I will imagine this, if you walk in fear, there's a possibility that you've opened the door for the enemy. Mental illness, number seven. Today we blame it on something in our body. Demons can cause insanity and mental illness. We can see that from the Bible. There was a time in, the early, in, in early Christendom that we, we believed that, that everybody who was, had a mental disorder was demon-possessed. And that's not correct. But at the same time, today, we, our churches have abandoned in the whole idea that demons can even afflict Christians. And so we, we've, we've moved all the way to the other side and we just blame it on some kind of physical or mental disorder that can't be explained by anything else. And it may be possible that it may have come in through a place that we opened a door. I said it last week, I said there are 30 people in your family immediately above you that the Bible talks about to the fourth generation that affect your life. Maybe great-great-grandpa or great-great-grandma. You know, we don't know what they did. Maybe I have Indian heritage. Some of you guys know that just by my nose. You say, oh yeah, I can tell he's an Indian. Some other guys out there too, huh? But who knows what they did? 
We need to block off those things that they can come down that generational line. Like I said, demons will stay in the family if they can. Number eight, unreasonable anger. Out of control. I'm not just talking about getting a little angry. I'm talking about just out, out of your control. Insanity, out of your head, you know, kind of anger. Where you can't control it. Number nine, and this one I want you to listen to. Continual problems worshiping. Every time you go to worship or every time you go to prayer, you're tired or you're sleepy. Or when you come in, it's, it's too loud. I don't, like the way, I don't like the way people praise the Lord. They're praising the Lord too loud and it, it, it affects me. Continual problems worshiping. That may be a sign that the enemy has got a foothold. Number 10, overwhelming lust issues. Maybe we're, we've, been, we've been wrapped up in pornography someplace along the line and we can't get out of it. That as Christians, if we open the door to pornography, I will guarantee you that opens the door to the enemy. And as we practice that, it opens the door for the enemy to come in. Lust issues. Number 11, reoccurring nightmares that you just can't get victory over. I'm not talking about just once in a while. I'm talking about where it, it, it's bothersome. Number 12, submission to authority is very difficult. Submission to authority. Where, you know what, we just want to rebel. The Bible talks about rebellion being the, the very sin of witchcraft. It, it starts right there. Remember I said the devil is a legal expert. He knows the ways in. Once we allow him in, he stays in if he has something to hang on to. If he has a place to wrap himself around. Our reaction to these things can cause that. Possible, these, might just, well, these things I just gave you are possible signs. I'm not going to tell you that they, they couldn't be just a fleshly problem. You know, the Bible talks about that we have to die to our flesh. But it could also be a demonic stronghold. And I'll guarantee you that the demons would rather us point to the flesh and stay right, hidden right where they're at. I don't want us to blame demons for our sin. I don't want us to blame demons for everything that goes on. Maybe we'll, even as, we're, as we've been going through this, you probably go home and you've probably told your, your wife or your husband, well, now I know why you're the way you are. I, I don't want us to go in that direction with it. What I'm saying is, is we need to understand. We need to have an understanding of this. We are who we are, not by what is done to us, but by what we have done with what is done to us. It's the action. It's not the action, but it's our reaction. I'm going to read this to you again. We are who we are, not by what is done to us, but what we have done with what is done to us. I told you last week, I said, you know, a way that the enemy comes in is through abuse. A, a, a young girl that's sexually abused as a teenager or as a young girl, that may be the opening for the enemy to come in. And I, and I say to you today, it's not fair. It's not. But if, if we walk in sin, if we continue in sin, if we walk in unforgiveness, no matter what the circumstance, if we walk in unforgiveness, if we, if we allow that thing that's been done to us 
to, to become our reaction, what happens is the enemy says, there's my place to go in right there. There's my place to hang on to. That's where I'm going to abide. Demons aren't prayed out. They are cast out by authority given to us and delegated to us by Christ. Christ is the central theme, not demons. Demons are not fascinating. Jesus is fascinating. I'm not impressed with demons. I am impressed with Christ. Demons have little power. Jesus has unlimited power. We study so that, we may, so that Jesus may be glorified in your life and so that we may see how His power is exercised over the enemy. That's why I'm going through this with you. I don't want you to walk away from this thinking that demons are glor glorified because you know what? They are truly not. Jesus is powerful. They, are, they have a little power. I would rather have seven demons mad at me than one God. In the book of Acts, Acts 16, 16. Paul and Silas says that once they were going to a place of prayer and we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now I want you to think about that right there. The first person in Philippi that understood who these men were was a demon. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. A spirit by which she predicted the future. In the Greek, it literally says this. She had a python spirit. A, you know, a python snake, we, we, we go back to the very beginning and, and the devil represented himself as a snake. But a python snake is a little bit different because they don't bite you. You know, we look around here for rattlesnakes and stuff like that when we're out in the backcountry. But a python will actually wrap itself around its victim and squeeze it to death. It doesn't need to bite it because once it's, once it's finally taken its life out of it, that breath is gone, that's when it can, it can consume it. And it's interesting to me that breath, wind, all is the same word in the New Testament talking about spirit. Wind and breath. Pneuma. Fortune telling. If someone in your church wants to read your palm, run from them. If they want to tell you their f your future because they say they're a prophet, run from them. Many times they may speak words of death. They may tell you that you're going to be in, in an auto accident and you're going to die. I will tell you right now, rebuke it, reject it. Come against it in the spirit realm. Just because someone can say, like this woman did here, these men are servants of the Most High God. They are telling you the way to be saved. Just because they can promote something that looks spiritual, just because they can promote even Jesus, does not mean that they are from Christ. In the book of Acts, Simon the sorcerer, Philip 
was there and he was preaching to him. And Simon was known as a great magician. Because Philip's message, Simon the sorcerer was saved, he was baptized. However, he sees Peter and John praying for people and receiving the Holy Spirit as he lays on the hands and he offers him, them money for the gift. Peter pronounces judgment on him and says, in verse 23, in, in Acts chapter 8, For I see you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. You know, I think a lot of times we think to ourselves, Well, I'm saved. I'm okay. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about demons. I don't have to worry about this. He says here, you, you, you have been... His words to, to Peter's words to him are these... For I see you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. We can be the same way in our, in our relationship. If we have allowed bitterness, if we've allowed a root of bitterness to come in, resentment, jealousy, if we allow these things in our life, the enemy gets a foothold and that's all he desires. All he needs is a place to enter in and then if, he has, if we continue in that, what he does, he says, you know what, I'll just find a place right here to rest. Don't give him a place. There is only one way to God. It is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone offering any other way, any other God is false. The only way is through Jesus. Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, other other um, cults will even offer you Jesus and they'll say that they're Christian. But they are not the Jesus that we've talked about in the Bible. Ron reminded me something this week. Ron, my deputy crouch, he said, Many people desire to know the Bible. I want to know the God of the Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds have somehow been led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached. Now think about this. Santa Claus Jesus. Or if you receive a spirit from a spirit you other than the spirit you received or a different gospel than the one you accepted you put up with it easily enough Paul's telling him here the enemy comes in and so quickly we hear the name Jesus and we we embrace it we need to be careful that we are we're we're accepting the Jesus of the word of God the spirit that was given to us not just another gospel that's out there. Not just another uh, Jesus that looks appealing to the world. Because I will tell you right now, the, the Jesus that is being presented in, in probably 75% of our churches across this nation is not the Jesus of the gospel. He's a Jesus that fits our needs. He's a Santa Claus Jesus He's a Jesus that says, you know, as long as you do this, I'll do this for you. Misty Edwards says in that song, You are God. I am man. I put my mouth to the dust. Because that's what I am. I am nothing more than that. I am dust before you, God. Who am I 
to question who, what you do and how you do it. You're the God that spoke this world into existence. The all-powerful God. And many times, we shake our fist at God. God, why? I found myself even this week saying, God, why? Why does these things happen? Why do, do people who've been um, abused as young people end up with, with demons in their life because the enemy comes in? It doesn't seem fair. What are you going to do with it? Deliverance is never a matter of anything other than ourselves. It is not dependent on God. God never changes. It always rests with us. If I don't hear from God, I need to spend more time in the secret place. If I'm not understanding His Word, I need to get alone with God and I need to begin to meditate on His Word more. I need to live it, breathe it, obey it. Our lack, our lack always rests with us and not God. If we don't hear from God, we need to spend more time in the secret place with Him. Steps to freedom. I'm going to go through these very quickly. Personally, affirm or reaffirm your faith in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing that you belong to Him. That you are the child of the living God. That you have been set apart for the things of God. You do not belong to the, the enemy. You do not belong to demons. You are Jesus Christ. He bought you with a price. His shed blood on, on Calvary is what bought you. You are His. You belong to Him. Number two, humble yourself. The act of exposing yourself, being vulnerable, allowing someone to look inside. The Bible says God resists the proud. Do you want dignity or do you want deliverance? Well, I may end up yelling or something like that if I'm prayed for and I may embarrass myself. I'm too dignified for that. If you were in the river... And you were about to drown and you were on your third and final bounce up and you were just about to go under. Would you be dignified or would you yell out, Jesus, are you on the shoulder over there? You on the, 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 the bank? Come and help me. Would you be worried about your dignity if your life was at stake? Or would you say, I'm not worried about my dignity. I will let it all go. My wife and I this week and this, is probably, this, was, this was difficult for us, but I know that, that when we did this, I know that, that this was, it was, was significant in the spiritual realm. I can't remember what day it was, but we woke up in the morning and I told Connie, I said, we need to pray for one another. I've been going through this thing for three weeks on demons and I understand that, you know what, I don't know if, if, if they've come in through a door that maybe was open someplace along the way in your life or my life, but I believe that God wants to release us. And let me say this to you. My wife says that I was born saved. Okay? My mom and dad... Christians, my grandfather was a pastor, my dad was a pastor. She, she says, but it took just as much grace to keep you as it did to keep me from, or to get me out of all the sin that I, she was walking in. But I will, I will tell you this, there came a time in my life when I was probably in my early 20s 
I had walked with the Lord. I was always very quick to say, God, you know what? I messed up here. That's how I always have walked with the Lord. I don't, I don't let even any grass grow under my feet. I say, God, you know what? Here's what I did. Forgive me. And as I got into my, my early 20s, I remember an occasion in my life where I said where I was, I was with the highway patrol and with all these guys, and you guys know what I'm talking about, guy stuff, you know? Ah. Ah, ah. And I was talked to and said, you know what? Why don't you come over to this strip club with us? And I said, okay. And I went over there with them. I remember as I walked through the door, and some of you are probably looking at my, my life and saying, well, that's all you did? Gee whiz, man. You, you haven't seen nothing. Okay, well, for me, it was a big deal. I remember walking through the door, and I remember the enemy speaking to me and says, I've got you now. Opening a door that was never intended to be opened. Opening a door to the enemy that would allow him a foothold, a place in my life. I tell you guys, there have been places that we have gone. There have been places that we have set our feet. There have been places that we have gone that have allowed the enemy a foothold into our life. And we are reaping the cause of that. This week, my wife and I, and, and, and vulnerability was what I just was talking about here, and being, being, uh, being humble. And I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I'm going to stand here in the front room, and I want you to pray over me. I've cast out every demon I can think of in my life. I have, I have prayed against it. I have come against it in the name of Jesus. But I want... I'm, I'm going to make myself vulnerable to you right now. And if you see something in the spirit realm, I want you to speak it over me and pray against it. And I want you to cast it out. Now I'm going to tell you guys, try that with your wife. <laughs> Some of you are going, no way. <laughs> and, then, and then I prayed over her. Allowing every piece of vulnerability... Every piece of humility. You know, most of us, if, if, if we knew that somebody was going to speak anything towards us that would, would harm us even in the least bit, we would, we would, we would get back real quick. we put up our walls. And that's what my wife said to me. She says, you know what? The first thing I want to do is I want to put up my walls. I want to protect myself. I want to protect myself from even what you would think of me. We have to. If we want deliverance, we have to humble ourselves, be vulnerable, expose ourselves. Number three, confess any sin. And I'm not talking about just this, like, if it's lust, call it lust. If it's bitterness, call it bitterness. But you don't understand my husband, you don't know how he is, you don't know how my wife is. I've got this little area of my life, this little issue. God wants us to call our sin, sin, and He wants us to hate it. 
I don't want you to overanalyze it, but I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and be your guide. He is the convictor. Now, I didn't say He is the condemner. He's the convictor. Number four, repent of all of our sins. 180 degree change. Proverbs 28.13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We must acknowledge our sin, take responsibility for our sin, and then have the same attitude that God has towards sin. He hates it. We must also hate it. If you kind of like lusting, if you kind of like those thoughts going over in your mind, you're not going to be delivered. If you like alcohol and you're, and you're, and you're not going to let it go, then you're not going to be delivered from it. If you like the feeling that drugs give you, then you're not going to be delivered from drugs. Can you be released if you love these things? No. That's the flat out answer. Repenting of our sins. Ab- adopting the same attitude that God has over sin. Number five, forgive all other people. Jesus told the story of a man who had been, given, had been forgiven a debt of a million dollars, basically. The, the king said, you know what? You don't, you don't owe me anything anymore. Because he, he went to him and he asked for mercy. He says, listen, I don't have any more money. He begged for mercy from the king and said, please, please, let, just let me go. And the king said, okay, I'll let him go. I'll let you go. Your debt is forgiven. And as the man walked out of the building... He leaves the king's presence and he sees a guy that owes him $5. And he goes over and he grabs him and he shakes him and he says, what, are you, what have you done with that $5 that you owe me? The king in this, in this story and Jesus says it like this. He says, turn him over to the torturers. I, gave him, I forgave him a great debt. Loose the torturers on him. Forgive all other people. I don't care what they've done to you. I know you've been hurt. I know it hurts to think about it. I know that you've, you might have been through abuse. Maybe somebody has just done you wrong financially. Maybe someone has done you wrong physically. Forgive them. Forgive them. Number six, break off with the occult or false religion or worshiping any other gods. Anything we have a place above God, our music... Our preoccupation with the things of this life. The things of this life. Cut them off. Number seven. Prepare to be delete, released from every curse of your life. Breaking all ties to the enemy. Canceling all contracts with the enemy. Cleaning your house physically and spiritually. Canceling the contracts with the enemy. You know how you entered a contract? When you walked into that place. When you decided to follow after that different religion, or you, you decided to do this other thing in your life, you opened a contract up with the enemy right there. And the enemy is all about legal contracts. Once he has you, he's going to hold you to it. How do you cancel those contracts? Be prepared to be released from every curse of your life. Break all ties to the enemy. Clean your house physically and spiritually. 
Number eight, take your stand with God. Come into agreement with Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Take a contrary position to the world. Take your stand with Christ. Yoke yourself with Jesus. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? I submit my will, my purpose, my future to Christ. Many of us will answer to Jesus and say yes, but then we won't make Him Lord of our life. Who are you activated by tonight? Death and demons? Or faith in Christ. You can be ordinary or you can be extraordinary with God. The Holy Spirit may give you the name of a demon when you take that stand. As you do this, and I don't know if it may be tonight, it may be this week, it may be next week, I don't know when, but as you do this, the the Holy Spirit will give you what you need for this situation. He's going to say, you know what? This is, the, this, is what's, this is what's going on in your life. That spirit of lust, here it is. Scott and I were praying over the buildings the other day. And we were up on the top. And we were praying over, because we know on the top of, that, on the, top of the oak building, they, used, they do drugs up there and they like to smoke their marijuana. And, and I remember Scott saying specifically, we were praying against it. We were walking up and down the halls and we were praying. And he said, and in against any lewdness that's happened up here, God. Lewdness opens the door to the enemy. You know, as we, as men, and this is especially to us, but women, it happens to us too because it may just be, it may not be the lust part, it may just be that, that, that romance part that keeps revolving around in your life, in your mind, in your head. And you say, you know, thinking about that old boyfriend or that, that's the person that you shouldn't be with because you're married. Men, it's opening the door as you just continue to think on those thoughts. I've told you guys before, I said, you know what you need to do is we need to bounce our eyes away from something. If we see something, you know what, I've I'm, I'm gotten to the point now where if I'm watching TV and if even it's a football game and something slides across, I, try to, I turn myself away. Or I turn it off real quick and then I'll come back when it's over, when that commercial's done. I don't even want to let my eyes see it. I want to get rid of it in my life. Take your stand with God. Come into agreement with Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Number nine, expel the enemy. We don't pray out the enemy. We praise and cast out the enemy. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. How many times have you heard me say that? The word for spirit in the Bible is the same word for breath and wind. How do you get rid of it? You expel it by breathing out. You know, there's times that I've, I've, I was, as I was studying this and I was going through Derek Prince's book on, on demons. And this guy was, a, he wasn't some far out crazy guy about this. But you know what he was? He was, he was definitely walking in it. He was casting out demons. He was, he was walking in these things because you know, he'd seen it happen around him every time he turned around. Expelling the enemy. He said one time there was, there was one lady that was having difficulty getting rid of it. And all of a sudden she just coughed and it came out. Now do I understand all this? I don't. But I know this. That it happens. A young man uh, was brought with his wife to, when Derek Prince was in first in ministry. And he wasn't even really doing anything with demons at the time. But they were praising. They were worshiping and praising. And this woman came in and said, you know, my husband, he's, he's being demonized. He's been, he's been struggling with this area of his life. And he came in and he came in with her and they were worshiping in there. And he came up to Derek Prince and he said, you know what? I'm uncomfortable. 
He says, they're praising too loud. It bothers me. And he says, Derek said to him, he says, you know what? You can either stay and get rid of that demon, or you can leave and you can take him with you. The, the man decided he was going to go ahead and stay. As he began to worship, praise. As he began to pray, nobody laid hands on him. Nobody cast anything out of him. But as he began to praise, all of a sudden he felt a, a something come out of his throat and it was gone. And he never walked in that again. I told you about the young man back in Missouri who God delivered him. Guys, I'm telling you, it happens. This isn't like the Lord of the Rings though. I don't wave a wand over you and now you're free. This is a battle. You must decide if you want this in your life or if you want to be free. I'll fight alongside of you. I will fight for you. But I'm going to tell you right now, this isn't some Shazam thing where we go, okay, we pray for you and then all of a sudden it's gone. You must want it. You must hate the sin. You must adopt the philosophy that God has about sin. If you don't, then you're going to continue to walk in it. I, I, I can't stress this enough. This isn't some deal where, you know, we come up forward and we do this a lot of times on Tuesday night. We come forward and we pray for one another. And I'm all for that. But I'm going to tell you right now, being delivered from this kind of a, a demon, to, be, to get this out of your life, this isn't some deal where you come up I wave a wand over you and it's done. You must want it so bad. You must have a heart that says, I want this gone in my life. I don't want to walk in this anymore. I don't want sin in my life. I want to be released. I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk where God wants me to walk. I want to be set apart for Him. Have you gotten to the place where you no longer like it? Where you despise it? Where you despise the sin, you despise the enemy, and all you want is Christ. Where you no longer want to walk in bitterness, anger, resentment, jealousy, depression, rejection, abuse, self-hatred. Having a demon is not something to be ashamed of. I want to read this, I want to read this to you, and this is in Mark 16.9. And Jesus had died on the cross... And he rose early. It says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to John. No. Peter, his rock? No. Mary Magdalene, whom he cast out seven demons. Think about that just for a minute, guys. Jesus comes back. He's got his beloved disciple who was there with him till the end. Peter, who is his rock. His twelve disciples. He could, have, he could have appeared to any of them. Even his own mother. Who does he appear to first? The one he cast seven demons out of. I said it a couple... Last week I said, one third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. I'm not one of these people that thinks there's a demon under every rock. But I do know this. I have seen people walking in oppression. I have seen people chained to the enemy. I have seen people that cannot get free. And you know what? I want them to walk in freedom. I pray for it. I fast for it. Because I want you to walk in deliverance. I, don't, I want cancer to not be a thing. I want it to be something of the past. Cancer is my enemy. I want you to know that right now. Sickness and disease is my enemy. 
Now when he rose early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, of whom he cast out seven demons. There's nothing shameful about having a demon. (laughs) There's no shame in having a demon removed. The scripture promotes deliverance. These scriptures, John 8.32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Luke 10.16, Whoever listens... And, and, I'm, and there's, I got part of it up there, but I'm going to read it the whole verse because I want you to read it in context. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like a lightning to have, from heaven. I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? James 4.7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a spectacle of them, triumph over them on the cross. God has given us the authority. He's given us the power. It's, his, it's through his delegation. Not mine, not anybody else's. I want you to walk in freedom. Tonight, I don't know where you're at. I don't, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe I'm the only one that had to work on these areas. But I will tell you this, guys. We've got to get to the place where we want to be rid of it more than we want anything else. You know, people say, well, I want to get rid of this lust in my life. Have you fasted over that? No. Well, I want to get rid of this bitterness in my life. Well, have you forgiven it? Have you forgiven that person that did it to you? Well, no. How do we keep our deliverance? Living by God's word. The word of God is alive. Think the word. Speak the word. Act the word. Be obedient to the word. God then guarantees our success when we do that. Number two, put on the garment of praise. Wear it like a garment. Always on you. Number three, come under discipline, self-discipline, fasting, obedience to God's Word, under instruction from all authority. You know, it's amazing to me that sometimes people say, well, I want more of this. I want more of God's Word. I want more of these things. I want more study. I want more of all this stuff. And then I say, well, are you, are you living it out? Are you practicing it? Well, No. And then they talk about how they hate this and they hate that and they hate all these other things. And I'll tell you what, then how can we... You, there's, no, there's no use in even reading the Word if all we're going to do is just list, look at it and then walk away from it and not change. It must change us. The Bible talks about that. Paul says, when we look into the mirror, it shouldn't be so dimly that we can't see what's going on. When we look at it and God shows us this, it should change us. If it doesn't, then there's another place for the enemy to come in. Cultivate right relationships. Break off bad relationships. Cultivate good relationships. Recognize that we need one another. Five, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Leave no room for the enemy. When the Satan knocks, let Jesus answer the door. Hmm, I like that one. When Satan comes knocking, let Jesus answer the door. I guarantee he won't stick around. Hmm. Number six, water baptism. Make an open proclamation, public confession of you belonging to Christ. And then put on the whole armor of God. 
I don't know how I'm going to end tonight. I know this, we're going to, I'm going to, we're going to spend a little time worshiping and praising. Praise expels the enemy. When you're at home, praise will expel the enemy from your house. Praise will expel the enemy from your life. Praise, you know, if you turn off that country song and put on some praise. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have a question about it, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If there's any doubt, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want your life cleaned up and then all of a sudden the enemy can come in with seven other friends and make havoc in there. Fill it back up with something. Fill it back up with Jesus. Fill it back up with His Word. Fill it back up with life. That's the only way we're going to be able to walk this life out. I told you last week, I said, that I believe that God's called us, called me specifically, I believe He's called me to be a bride preparer. God wants us to get prepared. He's coming back to have a wedding with us. He's coming back to have a wedding with us. What are we going to look like? Are we going to be, like He says, spotless before Him? Or are we going to be ashamed? I want to be spotless. I want to be the bride of Christ. I want to be blameless. I want to stand before Him and say, God, I want Him to say, good and done, thy faithful servant. I want Him to open the door up to me and say, you know what, here you go, enter in. Enter in. As we worship tonight, I'm going to let, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Open the door. Like I said, this is not this is not some I can't lay hands on you and just say it's going to be done. You have to want it. It has to be something that you desire more than anything in your life. If you desire that drug more than you desire to be delivered, then you know what? That drug is going to be more important. If you desire that lust, if you desire to go home and watch another video that you shouldn't belo- that you shouldn't watch, then you know what? You're not going to be delivered. You have to release it. You have to say, God, I want you more than I want anything else. I want to be free. I want to be free.